Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, one of my best friends, and one of the people who has had the greatest influence on cultivating change and growth within my life over the last seven years. Today's guest is Dr. Lance Von Stade, who within the chiropractic profession is really known as one of the experts in movement, human performance, and sustainable movement practices. And over these last couple years is really being sought out as one of the go-to people for creating a greater levels of understanding of your emotional and physical well-being. We dive into some very deep topics, including his advocacy process for being able to connect the dots between your emotional and physical states, how you can start to distinguish self from the emotional states of others, and really how you can cultivate your superpower of introspection so you can start to be the facilitator of your life change rather than just reacting to life. Today's guest is Dr. Lance Von Stade. I'm really excited to be sharing this episode with you. This is one of the episodes you're going to want to listen to two or three or 10 times. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Jordan Fairley podcast. This show is for people who are ready to implement immediate actionable strategies and insights in health, business, and life. Inside each episode, I'll share with you my biggest aha moments, stories, and interviews to introduce new ways to reframe your current situation and reclaim your life. I'm your host, Dr. Jordan Fairley. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. I have a very special guest for all of you today. For those of you who have been listening to some of the previous episodes, you have been starting to hear the importance of cultivating the levels of emotional intelligence and emotional well-being within your life, as well as looking at past experiences and learning from those experiences so that you can then choose to move forward and grow from those experiences. Today, I have the very first interview my very special guest with Dr. Lance Von Stade. Dr. Lance Von Stade is a chiropractor in San Francisco at Golden Gate Chiropractic. He's the co-founder and lead facilitator of Kairos Training Culture and also the CEO of Athletes on Purpose as well as a ton of other really cool exciting things. Uh, But Lance Von Stade has really been known in my opinion and the opinion of many others as one of the foremost experts in movement and sustainable movement patterns within the chiropractic profession. More recently, he's been known as somebody who is becoming an expert in emotional intelligence, nonviolent communication, and cultivating trust. Dr. Lance Von Stade, welcome to the podcast, man. I am very excited to be seeing you face-to-face. One, because you're a really good friend, and also because you have this awesome mustache right now. Can you please (laughs) tell me why you have a mustache going on? Uh, Well... It's multifactorial. First, uh, thanks for having me on the show, man. I'm honored to be the first guest. I've been listening and very inspired by it. It's been making my dishwashing routine much more enjoyable. Uh, I have a mustache because uh, for as long as I can remember now, I remember this month of November thing where people started saying Movember, and I wasn't really sure what they were talking about. And then I started seeing a bunch of guys wearing mustaches when typically they wouldn't have mustaches. And uh, I never knew what that was all about. Eventually, I put it together that those were related, but I never heard anybody 
saying anything of substance with regard to Movember, other than it was somehow related to prostate cancer, but it wasn't like the guys wearing the mustaches were talking about it. They were just saying, oh yeah, it's for prostate cancer awareness. Uh, but that didn't, other than me now thinking about prostate cancer, it wasn't really closing any gaps or producing anything of substance. So I never really got on board with it. Um, but this year, uh, we have a partner business in Golden Gate Chiropractic Center called Project 13. We partner with them. That's where we end up sending a lot of our people once they've completed care plans to continue to reintegrate with workouts and things. And these guys are running an official fundraiser for the Movember organization. And they invited us to participate alongside them and kind of group up. And um, they're going to be forming a landing page and teams and documenting it all. And it was really inspiring because these guys are on point. And uh, Brock, Dr. Brock Sheets in the office had a phenomenal beard. I had a, like on a scale of one to Brock, I had like a seven (laughs) (laughs) on my beard. Yeah, I'd been working on it for a while. So we were kind of set to to launch into Halloween and Brock had the idea of doing Mario and Luigi. We pulled (laughs) it off and when I took the black paint off of my mustache, um, there was this David buried in the marble. I didn't realize I had this mustache that all I had to do was cut everything that was not the mustache away and reveal this thing that was buried in the beard. And uh, it ended up being a movement that kind of corroborated with the Movember piece and the Mario piece. And now I have this thing on my face that I'm calling my mental health billboard Mm -hmm. for the month of November and using it to start conversations. And um, that also in the past, having noticed the gap between actually producing something of substance uh, and also not knowing what actions to take um, to actually participate in this thing. I wanted to do something more measurable as well. So I'm having patient interactions and conversations on the streets and everyone I'm talking to or asks about my mustache, I discuss the concept of mental health and how I as a chiropractor serve that. But also in practice, for every adjustment we give this month, we're donating $1 to the Movember organization or we're still looking for an organization that's more local because I think that's based out of Australia, um, an organization in San Francisco that supports men's mental health and some an organization particularly that we can form a relationship with and support financially as well as by sharing the word on how people can get involved. Yeah, that's amazing. And I I love that you brought up, brought up Michelangelo because if there was one way I would describe how you look with a mustache, it would be <laughs> remove all the layers to reveal this masterpiece of a beautiful human uh-huh. being. Uh, <laughs> and also looking like at how you are using <laughs> the idea of breaking away these layers of what is not you to get to something that is more beautiful with inside is like thinking about also how we can do that for ourselves on a daily basis in terms of our emotional intelligence, emotional well-being, and looking at the stories that we're continuing to tell ourselves. And I love that you're you're actually using Movember as something to help men's health. And I think there's a, a stigma out there when people think of men's health, they think about uh, people who are suicidal or macro scale rather than like looking at the day-to-day micro men's health. And so I would love to be able to hear from you how you became like the movement guy to now being the more of the nonviolent communication trust building type guy. Was there a moment that happened or was this a process developed over time? Uh, you know, for as long as I can remember, my purpose in life has been to be the best father I could possibly be. And that comes from having a wonderful father that I really loved being around. Um, 
and realizing really early on that I wanted to be a dad that my sons, for some reason, I always knew I would have sons and I ended up with two of them. My sons would want to be around as well. And uh, that was going to take a lot of work. And so I chose to be a chiropractor because of its ability to empower the type of fathering that I knew I'd want to be able to do someday. It allowed me to own my own business, which helped me control my own schedule. And that would allow me to be in my child's life when the time came, especially with sports and things that I, I look forward to getting involved with. And um, I also wanted to be in healthcare because I knew that my parents really struggled with health. And until I came into contact with chiropractic, I also really struggled with health. And when chiropractic started giving me the answers of how to heal myself and how to actually facilitate in my athletes at, at first and now the, the general public, how to help people really heal deep down, not just feel better so they can compete on the weekend stuff that they do. Um, it showed me that this was really going to be a tool that I could share with my family. This would build a legacy and a skill set that would not end with me. And, uh, and so I started diving really deeply into becoming the best chiropractor possible, which took me even deeper into the movement of the chiropractor, um, relying heavily on my previous experience as a strength coach, as an athletic trainer. And, um, and now, you know, I feel like I've become a person that serves people in practice getting results that the focus of my movement and the, the quality of my movement is now no longer the the rung on the ladder that I'm climbing on. You know, I, I feel like we climb up the hierarchy of needs on the path of evolution. And at first, it's how do we become safe? <laughs> we need our sustenance. You know, we have to have enough people coming in paying money that we can keep the doors open. We have to be able to feed ourselves and nourish our bodies and move in ways that don't injure ourselves. Um, and once I learned how to move and how to eat, how to think, how to recuperate to where my basic fundamental need got met for sustenance, um, that safety need is now met in the movement world. And now as I climb up that ladder, it's how do I become really good at talking to myself in ways that I enjoy hearing? How do I cultivate a sense of ease and presence with myself so that I can become more aware of my environment? And uh, there's been multiple times in my life where I've gotten to an emotional state where I was so happy that I felt like I could die happy and feel fulfilled. And this is not something that I stay in, but having accomplished that as an individual and to know the feeling of elation and complete satisfaction for a fleeting moment, but to know that that's possible for me, um, it's almost like I've climbed out the top of my ladder and now I want to help other people realize how to climb their ladders. And uh, that doesn't mean I'm standing on the top of mine. You know, I climb back down. And as soon as, you know, my office manager just gave his notice, he, we have two more weeks in the office until we need to find someone to replace him. That brings me back down to one of my safety rungs. It's just that now I have a tool set for emotional intelligence where I am no longer obsessed with that sensation of discomfort or fear. I simply receive a stimulus. He gives me the notice. I feel a sense of fear and also curiosity and wonder and excitement because I know from having gone through things like this in the past that there's going to be a period of difficulty and uncertainty. And at the other end of this foggy place, 
is this gorgeous new view, a new vantage point, usually higher up the hill with an even bigger picture view and lessons that I can carry on to my kids. So once movement became conscious competence, I wouldn't say unconscious competence because it's a constant you know, path toward mastery, um, I started realizing more and more in my life where I had needs from moving toward conscious competence in my emotional intelligence, not just the physical. And that's where I find myself now. I absolutely love how you just put words to the ladder and relating Maslow's hierarchy of needs to the physical body and how when we're stuck in that state of pain or discomfort or there's something that's bringing our awareness to our physical state, we're probably not thinking about our emotional well-being or Mm -hmm. trying to go up that ladder of further levels of intelligence. You're like, I want to get rid of this physical pain. And the quality of the movement that you're talking about, like this is relatable to every single person, regardless of if you're a chiropractor, if you're a student, if you're a patient, if you are an entrepreneur, like every single one of us have had moments in our life where we're in some sort of discomfort when the things that are brought out of our conscious awareness are focused then onto something that is more physical in nature. Um, I'm wondering, though, I I see this so often with people in my office, like, once we get out of their physical level of discomfort, that's when we can start to have conversations of higher value and meaning and purpose and really looking at how has this affected you other than just like, it's affected me in the way that I want to be out of pain and starting to cultivate conversations of higher levels of, you know, how is this affecting your life? Mm-hmm. For me in the intake process, we have a, a process we call the advocacy process and it's it's recognizing that most people who come into the office already know what they need in their life to live the life they want. But it's so rare in our culture that people actually advocate for themselves to do those things because I find that most people actually put others before themselves, whether that is their clients or their boss or their partner or their kids. And they wouldn't want to inconvenience any of those other people in their life or all of those other people to prioritize their health. And so it's my job as the chiropractor to advocate for them. And so session one is a deep dive into their history, identifying what are you bringing to the table? What's the thing that's on your mind? It's one of the first questions I ask. Yes, you fill out this entire intake form but what's on your mind right now? And that's going to just be what's the lowest hanging fruit? What's the thing that the mind is drawn to easiest? And it might be a knee or a shoulder or some physical sensation. And that'll be our starting point. And now my job is to ask questions to help them see how that starting point is related to a structure physically above and below that point. So if it's a knee, I'm just going to be asking them questions. Well, do you ever notice anything in the hip or the ankle that you think is related to this? And if I can get them to start expanding their understanding of just that knee being connected to something above and below, then it's very easy to start drawing that into the chains of the body and helping them see how that starting point is actually a point on a map that is connected to their entire body. And then the conversation can easily later move into, have you noticed how your entire body changes shape when you have different emotional states? They'll say, yes, because I can recognize someone who looks sad versus who looks boastful and chest high up in the air. And they would use different muscles to accomplish those states. And then I'll ask them, do you notice that when you're in different emotional states that this knee is in a different position or feels differently? Typically, they'll say yes. 
And I'll ask, are there certain times where the load of stress that you have, whether that's physical, and depending on who I'm talking to, I'll use specific examples. A lot of the people we see in practice here are uh, in the tech industry, either in sales or recruiters, people with deadlines, and especially quarter, like end of quarter, everyone's coming in with crazy, weird, total body pains that don't make any sense to them. But anytime you see total body pains, like my left knee and my right shoulder, my neck and my back, all these different things. Well, obviously your whole body is filling with inflammation. You're more sensitive to these stimuli and you're over threshold all over the place. So now what's going on in your life and the stress at work is going to be, um, intensity of deadlines and ramping up and more computer time and spreadsheets and all those micro tuning muscles that help you focus more. And that's a very good effective thing for a short term, but it'll grind you into the ground over time. Or is it chemical because they're coming up and you're doing all these like sales meetings. So you're having lots of drinks. You're taking people out to Warriors games and getting drunk on a Thursday night. Then you got to wake up for that phone call in Hong Kong time in the morning. And it's nonstop because you're trying to get it all into the deadline to hit your goals, which is helpful for the life you want to live. But short term, it's grinding you into the ground. Mm -hmm. So chemically, physically, emotionally, we, we just draw all of that from that starting point of here you are on the map. And then we walk them toward where they're going to be going, which is the source of this whole issue. And it's always going to be that the load of stress in your life is not matched by the quantity and quality of your recuperative strategies. Mm. And if they don't have the resilience or the adaptations, then they will suffer symptoms. And so that's, that's the, the path toward understanding the emotional connection to the physical. I, we call it like emotional intelligence for kinesthetic learners. Those that are so connected to the physical body, a lot of our people are athletes, and so that's always been their go-to. They're connecting to their stress through their body, but they're not connecting the body to their stress. And so they're just experiencing the symptom instead of seeing the symptom as the gateway in and the answer being within it. Wow. I feel like you just connected so many dots of how you can start to cultivate the conversation around one physical ailment to what is the actual cause of the stress from multiple different layers. Uh, and imagine people just even listening to this can start to take a moment to themselves and start to ask themselves better questions about why am I feeling this? When am I feeling this? Is there a certain type of trigger? Um, and something I picked up with what you're talking about is the difference between, say, an ailment around a specific joint, for an example, you used your knee versus like a systemic full body type of tensioning or pattern. And I, I think I'm along the same lines as you, like being able to have that physical understanding of I feel specific types of muscles in my upper back and chest and face when I experience pain or sadness mm -hmm. or depression, being able to walk through those different ones. And it's not something that is ever really taught to a lot of us, but um, being able to ask yourself better and better questions and having at least that awareness will start to cultivate a better life experience. Um, yeah. Thank you for bringing Absolutely. that up. Yeah. Thanks for that reflection. That was nice to hear. Yeah, man. Is there anything that you would like to bring up in terms of how people can start to go through this process on their own? I imagine, you know, a lot of times it, it requires the aid of another person facilitating this type of process of trying to connect the dots between like their physical body and the emotional uh, type of cause. But is there a process that you think that people can do on their own in order to start this process? Um, I think step one for me is establish a healthy presence. And I think 
people hear the word healthy and they hear the word presence, but they don't often realize that they are the same thing. Healthy is present. Present is healthy. And uh, when an emotion comes up, whether that's simply hunger telling you you need food, you eat the food and the hunger goes away, you're present again. And if your body has a need for movement, you'll feel discomfort or tension pattern that becomes conscious. And then when you go move that area, you become present again. And so doing everything you can to make sure that you are eating, moving, thinking, recuperating, and gathering in community in order to establish health and in order to establish presence. Because when you get used to knowing what presence is and what you feel like when you're present, what the internal state and the baseline experience of being you is when you are present, then you now have a sensitivity to take in so much information that someone might use when they're communicating to you, but you'll start to be able to pick up on body language, you'll start to pick up on tone, you'll start to notice when your body changes in ways and you experience emotions inside yourself that are not your own, but an experience you're having based on the mirror neurons you have in your body that are expressing the emotions in others that you're seeing, they might not even be able to use words to describe how they're feeling, but you can feel what they feel because we have those mechanisms within us. And if you are not present and you're not used to noticing who you are without the external influences, it's really hard to distinguish between those. So I think first step is establish that healthy presence, eating, moving, thinking, recuperating, gathering in community, removing the interference of who you are on the outside so that you really cultivate a sense of clarity of who you are on the inside. Once you have that, then you can start to engage with actual skill sets and formulas and templates and i think you're in your maybe two episodes ago you did a, a great breakthrough of the steps of emotional intelligence and nonviolent communication i think that'd be a great resource for people to go back and listen to and break down um, nonviolent communication has tons of resources out in the world whether it's youtube videos watching marshall rosenberg um, you could probably google the artful chiropractor podcast nonviolent communication or emotional intelligence there's we talked about that, I felt like, every five episodes at length. Mm -hmm. um, I recommend the book Language of Life by Malshan Rosenberg. It's a great start. Um, but I also have seen where nonviolent communication is simply a tool when not used at the, the most fundamental level, and that is not using NVC as a tool to wield, but have it be a consciousness that you adapt. And I think the most powerful thing that people can do is to realize in this moment, do I care? Mm. And that question, if you can just in the moment start with right now, do I even care? <laughs> because if I don't care, then using nonviolent communication is just a tool for manipulation. But if I'm connected to actually caring about myself in this moment, for those that don't put themselves first, do you even care about yourself right now? And for those that have a hard time seeing the perspectives of others and wanting others to get their needs met, do you even care that those people get their needs met? If you're not sure what the answer is, I would step away from any situation or any other priority and really cultivate a sense of caring before engaging. And then once you have that sense of yes, 
I want my needs to get met and I want someone else's needs to get met equal to my own. Now I have a firm foundation that I can now use a tool like nonviolent communication or crucial conversations or motivational interviewing or fill in the blank with whatever system you want that is talking about getting to the heart of a matter, connecting with somebody, connecting with yourself, reflective listening, actually collecting information, confirming that you heard it correctly, correcting anything that wasn't heard correctly until you actually got it so the person feels heard and understood, and then making promises to that person that you can actually fulfill, and that builds trust over time. And that's kind of where the rubber meets the road is nonviolent communication is really great language, but oftentimes it's just verbal volleyball. And when the ball hits the ground again, no one knows what the hell to do because, but you said this and then you did this. And it all cycles back to, can you establish a healthy presence? Mm. Do you know yourself well enough to make promises that you can follow through on? Do you have the humility and the interest in growth and learning for yourself that when you make a mistake, you can forgive yourself and also give empathy to the other person who's having hurt and then build up again and learn and grow? Yeah, I'd like to bring something up along those lines. Um, and for those of you listening, I'll put the the resources that he was talking about in the show notes. Um, but I do believe nonviolent communication is a great resource in order to help um, one, speak with others in a way that if you do care, that you are able to do so in a way that's um, respectful to yourself and to the other person. But something that you're talking about, which is something I believe a lot of other people, a lot of people focus on is speaking and using nonviolent communication in the forms of how you relate to others, but not mm -hmm. using nonviolent communication in the ways how you speak to yourself. Yeah. So you were talking about the mirror neurons and being able to have an understanding of how you hold emotional states within your body. But the mirror neurons, knowing that like you are basically a reflection of what you are seeing in others and how you can pick that up and hold that in yourself. But yeah. also the more you go through states of presence, so whether that is breath work or meditation or journaling, whatever that is for you in order to be present in the moment, can you go through that same process and look at what your internal state is and recognize how you actually feel in that moment and recognize that that is your neutral at ease state. And so then when other things happen throughout your day, you can say, is this the same or different than your neutral ease state and be able to recognize how or what the trigger was for that? Why do you feel that difference? And just having that awareness allows you to choose how you want to respond in the moment. And then with the feeling or observations, feelings, needs, and requests when talking with another person that you care about or a conversation that you care about in the moment, can you also go through observations, feelings, needs, and requests introspectively within yourself? And I think that's something that a lot of people necessarily do when they think about nonviolent communication. But what are the observations that you're having within your internal awareness? What are the feelings that you're experiencing? Do you have the awareness of knowing what you're actually feeling? Do you have specific needs that are being met or not being met within yourself? And then what kind of requests can you make yourself? So maybe it is taking time to go for a bike ride or a run or taking time to eat healthier. What kind of needs are your body presenting and are you listening to that? Mm -hmm. uh, mm. So that it's a superpower we have introspection. Mm. You know, we breath is kind of the force that we use, but the introspection, that ability to realize that we are realizing is that's the superpower of consciousness. That is where we take control. 
we are no longer just the animal, but we are the observer of the animal. When we notice what we notice, that's already one step removed from the noticing. We're no longer just the mechanism in the machine, but we are above and beyond that. We are observing this happening that we are. And that can't be understated. That's the whole purpose of all of what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so cultivating a healthy presence, yes, totally. And I'm so glad you closed that gap because, um, yes, when you notice that your state changes, is that something that you notice and actually ask the question about, or is it something that you react to? The state changes, and then I immediately act instead of the state changes, and I notice that the state changed. I take that state change as a stimulus itself and create a space between that stimulus and the story I tell about the change. You know, Brock just walked in while I was talking, and there was a state change for me, a moment of distraction. And instead of just looking at him and going and <laughs> changing my entire perspective, I had to notice what I notice. Huh, I notice that I'm noticing Brock walked in. Hmm. And just noticing that I noticed it helped me notice my internal state just as much as him being in my external state. And that created a space where I could then choose which I wanted to participate in. And I stayed engaged with the conversation. And that's happening over and over and over throughout our entire day. As chiropractors, when people are on the table and their eyes start to flutter, do we notice that and think we're supposed to do something? Or do we notice that we notice that and hold space for that? Or when we're holding our children at home and my son is crying and bawling his eyes out, do I notice that and then try to fix something right away? Or do I notice that I notice it and soften my body a little bit to make sure I'm not contributing to that and, and hold space for that? And oftentimes, the answer to whatever questions come up for us become more apparent because we're not trying to jump in and fix and react in the short term, but we're softening and our body is our instrument to perceive its environment. When we are soft and at ease, we are tuned to receive. And that noticing what we notice is the tuning of the instrument. Being soft at ease to be in tune to receive. Noticing what we notice as it is our superpower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. I'm going to have to go back <laughs> a few times. Um, you know, so we brought up a few different strategies on how to start the process of noticing that we are noticing. Is there anything else that you would like to share and how you think people can actually start to notice what they are noticing the first time i ever had this experience was sitting in a coffee shop in huntington beach eating a salmon and cream cheese and avocado bagel oh man that sounds good and it was one of my morning routines when i was working water polo i'd get up super early and try to get some me time beforehand and i was reading a book called a new earth by eckhart tolle And in that book, it describes the observer effect. And that was the first time I'd ever really uh, caught myself noticing what I noticed. And in the book, it describes the exercise of sitting wherever you're sitting. And the next time someone walks in the room, so if you're alone, then it might not work. But the next time you're in a room and someone walks in the room, 
notice what you notice about that person, which means that person walks in, you might notice the clothes that they're wearing or the facial expression or maybe a story from the past, a memory you have about this person. That will be the first stimulus that you notice. The person walks in, stimulus. Then there's going to be the story, which is the judgment of the clothes. Huh, I don't like those clothes. Those clothes are not good. Those That shirt doesn't match those shoes. Or that person's hair looks just a wreck today. Jeez, I, that person probably is drunk last night and barely getting it together today. Or whatever your brain creates as a story in that moment. And if you can witness those first two steps where the person walks in, boom, stimulus, then your brain creates a story about that person, boom, step two. If you don't identify as the entity creating the story, but rather the observer witnessing your brain as a separate entity creating that story, you have won the game. And you can do this if you look out your window and notice a tree and think, huh, I used to climb up trees and I fell down once. And all of a sudden, your brain is just going off, creating meaning of everything. And when you can observe without labeling or evaluating or giving meaning to, you have won the game. (laughs) So that exercise is what I would recommend for people is to try to identify and notice two steps of a process and if you can witness those two steps happening separate from you being the one doing then you win (laughs) yes dude this is one of the reasons why i love you so much you give (laughs) action steps for what i can do if i'm wanting to cultivate this change uh before we close this out uh, how can people get a hold of you or reach out to you or be more involved with you, Dr. Lance? DrLanceVonStade.com is something that exists now that if you wanted to look at it and just look at it, you can do that. <laughs> I don't think it's built in a way that you could actually participate with it. You can click some links around and whatnot. Uh, I had a blog for 180 days as a thought experiment for myself, which was wonderful. And uh, that exists. You can check out drlances.blog. Um, and there is a little thing I think you can send an email in if you want to receive things more often from me. Um, the current most effective way to reach me is drlancevonstade at gmail.com. And uh, if people want to hear from me more often um, for specific issues, you can send me an email. And uh, I am now exploring getting more involved in instagram i've been um, looking over the shoulders of such instagram giants as kate jones and jordan fairley (laughs) and being poked and prodded by all of my clients who i love serving and want to communicate with who are literally now begging me to do something on instagram and um so i think i'm going to dr lance von stade at dr lance von stade i guess Um, (laughs) yes And uh, I put some movement videos up there last year just as a, a kind of a space filler also to to process what I think about movement before moving into trust. And um, that's out there. If there are other ways people want me to participate in the world and communicate with you, you let me know. Um, I think I might be designing some seminar that touches on a lot of the topics that we've discussed today. I did the trust workshop last, last year and uh, that 
format is really inspiring to me, but it does take time away from my children. So that's not something that I'm currently going to be uh, pushing forward in its current mode. Um, but I do love everyone. If you're hearing this and you love Jordan Fairley, I probably love you <laughs> and would love to uh, sn snuggle with you online somewhere. And uh, you guys let me know how you'd like me to do that if I'm not doing it already. Well, you heard it, everybody. You have multiple ways to snuggle with Dr. Lance Bunstead on the internet. <laughs> and, you know, you do live in the tech capital of the world. So that is a one of the reasons why people are probably poking and prodding you to join Instagram. And also because you, every single time you show up, you provide value, you show up authentically, and you uh, cultivate a greater life experience for myself and everybody listening. So I want to thank you for showing up today in those same ways. And everybody, if you have loved the content of this podcast today, please give this podcast a review, share it with your friends. And if you are anything like me, one of the reasons why I started this podcast is because I like to relive life experiences and also provide specific action steps to take this information that you're listening to and then use it to create the change that you're looking for in your life. So you have opportunities every day to take information. There's no shortage of information. And also then use that information. So I highly suggest listening to this podcast again. Use those action steps that Lance brought out and start to cultivate the change that you're looking for in your life. Love and appreciate all of you. And until next time, take care.